missing them from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one eight seven seven three eight one three eight one one. Two major topics today. I don't normally announce them in advance. We'll hit some others probably. Tariffs, aka taxes on the American consumer, and our gun control president. Now, what are tariffs? Sounds ambiguous enough, the words in the Constitution. Federal government has the power to, to impose tariffs. Federal government has a lot of power. You cannot be for capitalism if you do not believe in trade. Look around you as I speak. If you're at home, if you're in the kitchen, if you're in your car... At the office, look around. Everything you have around you involves trade. Trade. You can't be in a home, be in an office, be in an automobile, be in a restaurant, be in a store of any kind without trade. We have a massive economy. It would be even more massive, but for government. It's almost $18 trillion in goods and services produced in this country. And there are intricate links between raw material, mining, harvesting raw material, transporting raw material, refining raw material, Producing raw material into a usable form, sometimes through assembly lines, sometimes somebody working in their basement, sometimes in a restaurant, whatever. And in the end, it improves society. They don't have much trade in the third world. They don't have many foreign goods in the third world unless it's charity. There's not much trade. And there's not much life either. There's not much happiness. There's not much to eat. There's not much to wear. You don't have a roof over your head. And yet, to the extent you can buy anything, you buy domestically. Because apparently that creates jobs. And yet it kills jobs. A vibrant economy a growing economy, a people who want to be successful, requires robust trade. Now, like anything else that human beings are involved in, it's an imperfect system. It's an imperfect system. Some countries export more than they import. Some countries import more than they export. But it's not a zero-sum game. The reason we import more than we export is because the American consumer wants more. 
the American consumer wants more. And some of the things that the American producer, uh, consumer wants requires trade. It requires importation of raw material, of finished goods, whatever it is. Imagine a society that worked the other way, where the government decided, no, we need an absolutely, absolutely balanced import-export sheet. We can only import as much as we export. You know what would happen in America? Industrial America would stop on a dime. We'd stop on a dime. Because the most vibrant economy on the face of the earth must import things in order to produce things within our country, in order to sell things within our country. Not exclusively, of course. Of course. And yet, ladies and gentlemen, the president today announced massive tariffs on steel and aluminum. You know what happened after he announced that, Mr. Producer? Stock market plummeted four or five hundred points. So the stock market lost hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars. All you pensioners out there, you people with IRAs and 401ks and all the rest of it, you took a big hit today. And you know what stocks in particular took a big hit? The stocks that use steel and aluminum. Now, what would be one of those major stocks? What would be one of those major industries? The automobile industry. Last time I checked, the men and women on the assembly line in the automobile industry in the United States are hard-working, blue-collar Americans. You know who else took a hit? Anybody, anybody who is buying anything made of steel or aluminum. Any type of vehicle has steel and aluminum in it. Your price is going to go up. Refrigerators, washers and dryers, dishwashers, ovens, stoves, microwaves, I can't even name everything, are going to go up significantly. And people are going to lose their jobs. And as many jobs as might have been created will not be created. Because our federal government, our president, is going to artificially set prices. Artificially set prices. Now, what about the steel industry, you say? They're getting killed. I want you to do a little bit of your own research after this program, and I want you to Google tariffs, protectionism, steel industry. I in no way seek to put down the hardworking men and women who work in the steel industry. But these businesses are owned by billionaires. Like the Secretary of Commerce, who's worth two or three billion dollars. And what they learned long ago is that rather than try and be competitive with foreign producers of steel, just run to Washington. And claim they're dumping. Just run to Washington and claim unfair practices. And they do it every few years. And what happens? 
The federal government steps in and protects them. The wages in the steel industry are not competitive. I'm sorry. I know I'm the only one saying this. I know I'm not wearing my pom-poms. I'm not a rocket. I got it. I know. I'm the one. So be it. So be it. I know this doesn't help my ratings in the steel belt and other areas of the country. I know it. But I learned long ago that you and my audience, you're strong, you're smart, you can handle it. You can handle it. President of the United States put lumber tariffs in place against Canada not long ago. Have you bought lumber lately? We have. Price is sky high. Lumber, steel, aluminum. Mr. President, you're not protecting anything. Because in the long run, this is disastrous. These companies know that they don't have the poor capital into R&D. These companies know that they don't have to negotiate competitive contracts. These companies know that they'll run to you and run to the protectionists and the Democrat Party and get virtually everything they want. And many millions of Americans will agree with you because it'll be viewed as the patriotic thing to do. Anti-capitalism, anti-market, anti-trade is now patriotic. The vast majority of you work in industries, whether you produce products or services, that don't get protection from the federal government. In fact, the vast majority of you live in industries where they're taxed to hell and they're regulated to hell. The vast majority of you work for small businesses or own small businesses. Nobody protects you when you're competing. Nobody protects you when the price of lumber and steel and aluminum go up. The President of the United States has made a decision. There are some citizens who are more worthy than others. That's what he's done. But Mark, he campaigned on this. So what? Barack Obama campaigned on a lot of things too. That's not an argument. That's not an explanation. That's a cop-out. He also campaigned on deportation before he supported 1.8 million new illegal alien, quote-unquote, citizens. The president can move. He moves a lot on particular issues. He needs to hear from you. You don't want the price of goods and services going through the roof. You don't want people losing their jobs in other industries that are affected by the high cost of steel, aluminum, and lumber. What about our carpenters? What about people who take steel and take aluminum and make things out of it? What about this massive infrastructure program they want? He just drove the price through the roof for steel and aluminum. So I guess there'll be less infrastructure for $1.5 trillion. Why is the man or woman who works on the assembly line for Ford, for GM, for Chrysler, for Toyota, for BMW, for Mercedes-Benz, all which have assembly lines in the United States? Why are they and their families second-class citizens? 
compared to the people who work in the industries that this president wants to protect. Ladies and gentlemen, we have the standard of living we have today, not because of tariffs and protectionism, because of the opposite. The greatest explosion of capitalism ever known to mankind, the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Revolution. We have the greatest explosion of growth in modern history. Over 7% economic growth. We can't even hit 3%. It created 25 million jobs. From the most conservative president in American history, Ronald Reagan. Protectionism. Protectionism is what caused the Great Depression to be the greatest depression. Protectionism is what caused the Great Depression to go on for a decade. Protectionism is what resulted in the evisceration of our constitutional structure and the massive expansion of the federal government and the federal courts into the everyday lives of Americans. You see, this thing we call liberty is intertwined with the market system. It's intertwined with trade. Before there were states in the United States, people traded with each other. When there were states in the United States, states traded with each other. Countries trade with each other. Now I understand as an important footnote, when a country is an enemy country, and it has as its purpose the destruction of your society, you don't trade with a country like that, or you're significantly limited. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an across-the-board massive tariff to protect our steel industry, to protect our aluminum industry, to protect our lumber industry. What about protecting our software industry? What about protecting our computer industry? What about protecting our automobile industry? What about protecting our railway industry? What about protecting our farmers? What about protecting our small businesses? What about protecting this one and that one and the next one? And yet, I understand that I'm a voice in the wilderness. Because if you're a voice for liberty, you're in the minority today. You simply are in the minority today. I'm not done with this. I'll be right back. So does justice. I don't know about you, but do you work every day and then go into a Sears, a Lowe's, or some store and say, I want to purchase a washing machine and I want to make sure a certain percentage of my purchase goes to the steel industry? In addition to what you're purchasing, a certain additional percentage of Purchase of my automobile goes to the steel industry. And the men and women who become very rich running them, like our current Secretary of Commerce, is that what you do? Or do you try and get the cheapest price you can? How is it that the market works in every other field? Every other field. Computers, software, computer chips, iPhones, televisions, automobiles, 
dishwashers, refrigerators, paper clips, paper, pencils, pens. Competition in the market work in every other area. Every other area. Except about six where we're told for national security reasons, look, we can't just have market system, we gotta have a fair system. Capitalism is the only fair system to force you and me to subsidize the decisions that are made by steel companies is outrageous. Any more than we would be asked to subsidize decisions that are made by Apple Computer or Microsoft or Walmart or anybody else. Or anybody else. You've got these so-called businessmen who swing into these steel industries and swing into these aluminum companies and they get them for 10 cents on the dollar. And then they run to Washington, D.C., and they cry a bucket full of tears, demanding that Congress step in and protect them from competition. And they walk away like the Secretary of Commerce, worth 2 to $3 billion. That wasn't discussed today in the Oval Office, I don't believe. Was it, Wilbur Ross? I'll be right back. Liberals and the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. It's been a bad month for liberty, been a bad month for capitalism, been a bad month for citizenship. Now it's a bad month overall for the Second Amendment. I'm a big fan of Dr. Mark Perry. He's a... Uh, Brilliant economist. And he's written, there's plenty of empirical evidence showing that protectionism and tariffs always generate costs to consumers that are far in excess of the benefits to the producers. So why is protectionism being taken so seriously and given so much credibility when it's actually a job-destroying, prosperity-destroying form of economic suicide and an economic death wish? says, I have 25 reasons, 25 reasons that it's guaranteed to make America poor, destroy jobs, and not make us great again. One, the false belief that trade is a zero-sum game, win-lose, when in fact it's a win-win game. Two, the cost of protectionism to consumers are mostly hidden. It's a hidden tax on the consumer. Three, the benefits of to protectionism are easily identifiable and visible. Wow, look how many jobs we created in the steel industry. Temporarily, of course. Number three. The benefits of protectionism to producers are easily, oh, I said that, identifiable and visible. Number four. The jobs saved by protectionism are observable and visible. But number five. The jobs lost from protectionism are not easily observable or visible. Six. The benefits of protectionism to individual producers are very high. For example, $300,000 annual increase in revenues per sugar farm from trade barriers from foreign sugar. The cost of protectionism to individual consumers is very low, 5 to $10 per year in higher sugar prices, although the cost in the aggregate is very, very high. Number eight. 
the cost of protections to consumers are delayed over months. The tariffs are put in place. It takes time for them to resonate through. Number nine, the benefits of protection to producers, to the producers, to the special interest industries, are immediate. Number ten, producers seeking the benefits of protectionism are concentrated and well-organized. The this industry and that industry. Number 11, consumers paying the costs of protectionism are dispersed and disorganized. Number 12, there's a huge political payoff to politicians from protectionism in the form of votes, political support, and financial contributions from protected domestic firms and industries. Number 13, there's a huge political cost to politicians who attempt to remove or lower trade barriers in the form of lost votes, support, and financial contributions from previously protected domestic industries. Number 14, the pathological but false obsession that exports are good. Number 15, the pathological but false obsession that imports are bad. Number 16, the fact that most Americans work for a company that produces a single product or group of similar products, cars, steel, textiles, appliances, and are therefore favorably disposed to supporting protectionist trade policies that benefit their employer and industry. 17, the fact that American consumers purchase hundreds, if not thousands of individual products, goods, and services, and are therefore unlikely to be fully aware of the negative effects of protectionism or to be motivated to fight protectionism. Number 18, many Americans think that exporting U.S. products is patriotic. Number 19, many Americans think that importing foreign products is unpatriotic. Number 20, the false belief that trade deficits are a sign of economic weakness. Number 21, the false belief that trade surpluses are a sign of economic strength. Number 25, the fact that protection is guaranteed to create economic dead weight losses is not easily understood, nor are those losses easily observable or measurable. Number 23, the lack of economic literacy among the general public. Number 24, the general lack of economic literacy among politicians or their intentional disregard for the economics of protectionism in favor of enacting public policies that help them get reelected. 25, the failure to recognize that most imports are inputs purchased by American firms which allow them to be as competitive as possible when selling their outputs in global markets. In other words, American firms may import materials at a cheaper price so they can make a product at a cheaper price with American labor in order to sell it in America and overseas. Here's the bottom line. Taken together, the 25 reasons that I just mentioned help us understand the popularity of protectionism, despite the fact that it's guaranteed to inflict great economic harm. Protectionism is popular primarily for political reasons, not economic reasons. To paraphrase the great Thomas Sowell, the first lesson of international economics is that free trade makes us better off and protectionism makes us worse off. The first lesson of politics when it comes to international trade is to ignore the first lesson of international economics and impose protectionist trade policies when they further the political interests of short-sighted elected officials. When politicians can count on the economic illiteracy of the general public and their blind patriotism, well, the political payoffs from protectionism are too tempting to ignore.
despite the reality that it's a form of economic suicide. And because the benefits of tariffs to producers, these specially protected industries protected by the government, that is, their jobs are, create, are saved and their industries temporarily saved against competition from like industries or other industries, concentrated, they're concentrated, immediate, invisible, well, the cost to consumers and the jobs lost down the line in other industries and businesses are diffused, delayed, and invisible. It's pretty easy to understand why protectionism is popular, even though the economic costs far outweigh the economic benefits. And it's therefore ultimately a form of self-inflicted economic poison. Ben in Los Angeles on the great KRLA. Go. Ben? Hi. Yes, how are you? Um, so Go right ahead, quick. sir. Thank you very much. Real quick. The United States is the world's reserve currency. And with by, by being the world's reserve currency, it takes a lot of responsibility. And it takes a lot of restraint from the United States of America to be able to compete in a global market. Whoa, 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 whoa. You sound like Mao talking about China. What, do we have a five-year economic plan here? The United States is restrained. What are you talking about? I don't know about you, but I don't work for the United States government. I don't know about you, but there are tens of millions of Americans who don't work for the United States government. They work for tens of thousands of, of uh, enterprises. You act like we all get together and we all have a policy here. Well, that's not how it works now, is it? So what are you talking about? But this is exactly what I'm talking about. The Chinese government, by manipulating their current... This isn't about the Chinese government. It's about the American consumer. This is why you propagandists keep pushing China, China, China. You want to deal with the Chinese government? I have some ideas on how to deal with the Chinese government, which is enormously dangerous. I have some ideas on how to deal with the Chinese economy through their banks, which this president and this Congress will not do. But we're not talking about punishing the Chinese. We're talking about punishing the American citizen. And this is why I will continue to make the point. Pal, I'm educating you. I know you've had 50 years of indoctrination. Just for once, open your ears and shut your mouth. Tariffs are a tax on the American people. They are not a tax on the Chinese people. Tariffs are a tax imposed by the president and the government on Mr. and Mrs. America on Mr. and Mrs. Blue Collar, on Mrs. and Mrs. White Collar, on small businesses, on large businesses. If you're not a preferred industry in this country that gets protection, you not only pay your own weight through taxes and regulations, you pay the weight of others. This isn't about punishing China. You're punishing the American people. There are ways to punish China without screwing up our economy. All right, let's take another call. Krista, New Orleans, on the Mark Levin app. How are you? Hi. All right, stop, stop, stop. stop, stop. We're not talking about guns yet. We're talking about the economy. Let us go to Kathy, Manassas, Virginia, the great WMAL. Go ahead. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having me. Um, I just wanted to say that I am completely stunned that Trump is, is, is making this decision. I mean, why is he trying to hold us back here and what we're doing here in America and, and, and keeping us back in the old times? I mean, we might as well just destroy, what, uh, light bulbs and build uh, candle factories everywhere. You know, I mean, to, to create an industry here that's been phasing out. And, and for what reason? And, and, how come, and how come none of the defenders of these leftist economic policies, and that's what they are, 
The left pushes protectionism and tariffs all the time because the unions push them. Right. I'm telling you the truth. Now, how come they never talk about the union workers who are punished through this, like the automobile workers? Or the men and women who work on assembly lines building refrigerators? Or the men and women who work on assembly lines building dishwashers and dryers and washing machines? Or the men and women who work on assembly lines building hammers and screwdrivers, making nails, on and on, down throughout the economy? There's nothing compassionate about this. There's nothing pro-American about this. There's nothing pro-American manufacturing about this when you're protecting one slice at the disadvantage of the whole pie, including other manufacturers. He's halting creative destruction. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you've got to question now all of his future decisions. I mean, the fact that he thinks that this is a good decision, I mean, can I even trust the guy now? I mean, now, by the way, I, I don't want to get into his personality now, but... Look at the guy who's running the Commerce Department. This guy made a fortune of steel and other industries, protected industries. He's now the cat in the birdcage, setting these policies. Thank you for your call. Michael, Maryland, the great WMAL, go. I believe that the price system is the best system ever known to man. There's no question. What's the best system ever known to man? The price system. The price system is the best system ever known to man because what you have is you have a trade between two people or more, and they agree upon it, and they don't need government influence. So that, that's a great that's – that, that's, that's the best system. How, having said this, I do think that, for example, if I buy a Chinese lamp, it's crap. If I buy a, a Chinese – So don't buy it. I don't. What I'm okay, saying so is what's I'm your problem? more money for an American-made product because – So don't buy it. So buy it. I'm going, I do buy it. What you I'm, live in Maryland, which is one of the most expensive states in the country. You do that by choice. You want to be taxed higher. You want gun control. You want to be regulated. You live in Maryland. I choose not to. I live in another state. That's your choice. But I don't impose my will on people who live in Maryland, do I? Uh, Maryland uh, at least takes care of its uh, poor. Uh, you're not Maryland takes care of its poor. I guess you don't live in Baltimore, do you? Where do you live, sir? Well, I live in Albany, Maryland. Oh, he lives in Albany, Maryland, ladies and gentlemen, a suburb. I'm not against the suburbs, but don't tell us what Maryland takes care of and doesn't take care of. Thank you for your call. Let's continue. Dave, Bloomington, Illinois, the great WRPW. Go. Hey, Mark. How you doing? Thank you. And by the way, I take the position tariffs are unpatriotic. Tariffs are un-American. Tariffs are something Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi supports. Tariffs are destructive of wealth creation. Tariffs blunt economic growth. Tariffs force taxes from the American government on the American consumer, many of whom can't afford them. So the next time you go in to buy a Ford pickup truck, and it costs several thousand dollars more, and then you're paying another 25 cents per gallon of gasoline, the president talked about, for infrastructure. There goes your one or $2,000, right down the crapper that you may have gotten from the tax cuts. Go right ahead. Hey, I'm one of those uh, kooky libertarians, and uh, I just want to forward my point by saying I love your show. I'd love to see you team up with Ben Shapiro one day. Um, 
But I, I don't understand why anyone's shocked by Trump and wanting to impose tariffs. It's not a matter of shocked. This isn't about emotions. It's not about personality. The president is doing something I strongly disagree with. It's a matter of engaging into this debate. We don't all have to lie back and say, well, they campaign on it. And you'll watch these titans of these protected agencies come into the Oval Office who want more welfare from the American people. And everybody, and these so-called conservatives on TV and radio, where the hell are they? Uh, all of a sudden, if Barack Obama did this, their eyeballs would be popping out of their heads. Their blood vessels would be popping out of their foreheads. Just because a Republican president does it? We had a Republican president who did this. You know what his name was? Herbert Hoover. Go right ahead. Get it. I don't get it. I don't understand how anyone can, can support it. It's it's not conservative, you know? Well, it's, it's, it's not even a matter of not being conservative. It's not rational. Every argument you're going to hear tonight, I told Mr. Callsgreen to bring him in, is going to be wrapped up in some platitude, where the person who supports protectionism is protecting America, protecting American jobs, protecting American industries, when they're destroying all three. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Damn it, I am pissed off. How this is wrapped in patriotism. Tell that to the janitor tonight. When he wants to buy an automobile and his price goes up. Tell that to the police officer tonight. And the firefighter tonight. Tell that the tens of millions of Americans. Don't worry. It's patriotic what the government's doing. Since when is socialism patriotic? How easily do we surrender our liberty based on what politician is in office? It's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. Let me ask you a question. Do you know tonight as I speak what steps these steel barons have taken to make their industries more competitive? What steps have they taken? I don't even know. Or the aluminum industry? On what basis are these industries receiving special treatment where we the people have to subsidize them? Remember TARP? When George Bush couldn't wait to subsidize the big banks. Did you support that? I oppose that. We shouldn't be subsidizing the banks. We shouldn't be subsidizing steel. We shouldn't be subsidizing aluminum. We shouldn't be subsidizing Amtrak. And then if you don't support it, somehow you're against the American worker. I am more for the American worker than the White House and Congress combined. Because I, like most of you, support growth policies. Policies that result in entrepreneurship. You know, hiring every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and then invites them to apply to your jobs. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. 
80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. Now, ZipRecruiter is how you find them. All size businesses trust ZipRecruiter. You, my listeners, can try ZipRecruiter for free. Free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. ZipRecruiter.com slash L-E-V-I-N. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Levin. The smartest way to hire. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. You know, the difficulty in discussing economics is that so many people are economically illiterate. The difficulty in discussing tariffs is so many people are historically illiterate. Do you think this president, this administration is the first president administration to come up with the idea of protectionist tariffs. And this is a big time set of tariffs that he wants to put in place. Not like the targeted Reagan ones where he did one or two or three and then promoted free market policies and so forth. Steel, aluminum, before that, lumber, who do people think build our homes? Who do people think buy our, our appliances, our toasters, our ovens, hubcaps? Think about it. Just think about the effect on this. Your government is about to place a massive tax on you. Having just celebrated a tax cut, look at this. This isn't crumbs, you know. Any Americans will have $1,000. Some will have $2,000. Wow, that's spectacular. And it is. And now they're going to piss it all away by driving up the costs. By driving up the costs. To you. It's all about big government. We need infrastructure. Big government. It's all New Deal type stuff. All great society types. Big government. Why not unleash the economy? We went halfway. We didn't go the other rest of the way. We unleashed our corporations. So if you work for a corporation, 
you're going to see a tax cut. People who pay very little in federal income taxes, you'll see a tax cut. But for everybody else, there will be no cut or a tax increase, as we're about to find out come April 15th. April 15th. There's this schizophrenic battle that goes on in the minds of some people, and as a matter of policy, where they use this line. I'm for free markets, but I want fair markets. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? There's no such thing. You sound like a leftist. You know, I want the same wage for the same work for the same time and the same job in the same place. doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. So once again, liberty is under attack. And make no mistake about it. An economic system and the civil society define each other. We didn't get rich through protectionism. We didn't get rich through trade wars. We got rich through the opposite. The so-called vast middle class, to use a Marxist term, that was created in this country was created by the Industrial Revolution. By the Industrial Revolution. The greatest economic growth in modern American history was created by the most conservative free market president in modern American history. Oh, I know the Herbert Hoover protectionist crowd, many of whom are in this administration, and their surrogates, you know, Reagan put tariffs on Harley-Davidson, you know, the motorcycles, and, and on uh, silicon chips because of the Japanese. And he did, and he was very, very reluctant about it. And he gave speech after speech after speech about free markets, and he vetoed and fought all efforts by the Democrats to push protectionist tariffs. And I've written about that. You can go back and look at the archives at Conservative Review. There's just no disputing that. And so the president will paint the picture of the steel industry. I'll paint the picture of the refrigerator industry. He'll paint the picture of the aluminum industry. I'll paint the picture of the automobile industry. He'll paint the picture of the steel worker. I'll paint the picture of the janitor. You see what happens here? We sound like liberals. We argue like liberals. Class warfare, group warfare, protected industries, unprotected industries, How do you become a protected industry? Well, look, steel is a national security issue. Okay, got it. So is software. What? Software. Those jet fighters might be made of steel, but they have software. You need software to fly them. You need software to target those missiles. And by the way, we're just massively increasing defense spending, right? Right. Well, we better, because those tanks... Those rifles, those pistols, the fighter jets, the bombers, they all went up in price just now. Come next week, they're all going up in price. All of them. All of them. The market reacts to tariffs. What do they do? They pass on the cost to you. How many times have you heard formerly conservative people on TV and radio say, Hey, look, a corporate tax is really a tax on the consumer. They just passed the tax along to you. Well, what the hell do you think a tariff is? What do you think a tariff is? 
we're going to increase the price of steel to protect America and the American steel industry from competition. Unfair competition. So, in doing so, they create unfair competition here because certain industries now are sucking at the public you-know-what and certain industries are choking at the public you-know-what. The automobile industry is an industry that employs hundreds of thousands of people in this country. It will be negatively affected. If you're waiting to buy an automobile, I think you made a mistake. Or you better go in this weekend. Because the price of your automobile is going to go out, up so you can subsidize another industry. And so this is what we do now. Subsidize banks. Under George W. Bush, subsidize steel and lumber and aluminum. Under Donald Trump, by the way, last time I checked, both Republicans. Both Republicans. And then they wrap themselves in patriotism. You know what? This is so pro-American. No, it's not. It's un-American. You want to withhold technology from a foreign power because they'll use it against us? Fine. You want to withhold steel from a foreign power because they'll use it against us? Fine. You want to withhold aluminum from a foreign power because they'll use it against us? Fine. But when you punish the American people while pretending to protect the American people, it's unacceptable. Then you'll have these clowns wrapping themselves in nationalism. This will make America great again. How will it make America great again when the vast majority of America is subsidizing a little tiny speck of America? Does it make America great again? Well, we need a steel industry in this country. Well, we need all kinds of industries in this country, ladies and gentlemen. And the way you have a vibrant steel industry is to have a vibrant steel industry. Well, how can we when the prices are undercut? Well, we have no idea if they're using R&D, capital investment, all kinds of efficiencies of, of, uh, of management. But I can guarantee you that when they're subsidized, they don't even have to look at that, do they? Do they? And we've done this before. Oh, I know, I'm upsetting many of you, but many of you understand exactly what I'm saying, because you understand liberty and you understand capitalism. Look at this, our, uh, our balance of trade is way out of whack. You'll hear the president and his surrogates talk about this all the time. You'll hear leftists talk about this. Sharad Brown, the left-wing goofball socialist senator from Ohio, very excited about what the president's doing. Loves it. Of course he does. Of course he does. He's a dreamer on this. He's dreaming all about it. Loves it. What is this balance of trade stuff? I've never even understood this. For every dollar that comes in, a dollar goes out. For every dollar that goes out, a dollar has to come in. I don't even understand that. What if we choose, just as an example, to make it simple. Let's say the American people want a whole lot of gold. And we decide to import Far more gold than we export. What the hell's wrong with that? Maybe the American people want a lot of copper based on the products that they purchase or the products and the, that they desire. So we import more copper than we export. We used to import a hell of a lot more oil than we exported. Now it's turning around. Thanks to what? Protectionism? No, capitalism and competition. 
Now we're going to be an oil and gas exporter. Because those industries are cutting edge. I remember the day. Well, we can't compete against OPEC. We can't compete against OPEC. Our companies can't compete against OPEC. They just kicked OPEC's ass. Now, how did they do that? Technological advances, price efficiencies, competition, capitalism, investment, R&D. The Arabs have nothing over us. The Chinese have nothing over us. And I am sick and tired of this sad sack story. Oh, woe is me. We Americans can't produce. We Americans are so stupid. Oh, we Americans, only if they take the... Oh, we Americans... What are you talking about? Why are there some industries that are more vibrant, more vigorous, more profitable than others? Because you've made that decision. That's why. You've made that decision. And most of these industries aren't subsidized. What will the next invention be? What will the next product be? What will the next raw material be? We don't know. That's the whole point. And the more you stunt economic competition, the less economic growth and progress you'll have, the less wealth creation you'll have. It's not hard to control prices. It's not hard to control costs. Government do, do, governments do that all over the world. And the people are sucking on tree limbs and eating cockroaches. But it's patriotic, don't you know? What, are you selfish? You will find that most of the arguments being made for this could be made by Bernie Sanders or the late George McGovern or most union bosses. Or by Sherrod Brown, Nancy Pelosi, by Chuck Schumer, by Paul Krugman, and all the other leftists, leftist political hacks that you're familiar with. It takes more understanding, takes more thinking, takes more processing to figure out why this is a disaster. You won't feel it right away, but you will feel it. The economy will not grow as much as it could have, but you'll have more inflation. Massive deficit spending, that's what we have. Nobody cares about the debt. Nobody deals with the annual deficit. Now we're going to drive up the cost of steel and aluminum and lumber. Drive up the costs. And then labor, because the cost of a truck cost of a house, the cost of everything's going up. Labor, you know, we, the people, workers, you're going to want more money to cover your costs. And then you get into an inflation cycle. Mark my words on this. Two, three, four years down the road, Mr. Producer, put a marker on this show. I know all the blowhards out there. I told you, and I was the first to tell you, I'm taking a stand on this now. I'm defending liberty. I'm defending capitalism. I am defending Americanism. I am defending the American entrepreneur. I am defending the American worker. I am defending the American worker, whether he's a janitor or a barber, whether he's building ships or airplanes, 
or whether he's working in a small business or starting a small business. I'll be right back. Engage a little longer than I need to get back to gun control, gun control, gun control, gun control. Natalie, Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Hi, Mark. Uh, what an honor to talk to you. I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, Thank and you. I just wanted to mention to validate your point. The Smoot-Hawley Tariff Act of 1930, which was passed under Hoover's administration that you alluded to, was a tax, was a tariff on agriculture imports, mm-hmm. and it decimated mm-hmm. American farmers and was, if if not the major, one of the major causes of the Great Depression. Now, now listen, it took a recession, and you're quite right, took a recession, drove it into a depression. And, you know, people forget, Natalie, uh, that George W. Bush put tariffs in place, and the EU and other countries responded with tariffs on our agricultural industry. Uh, they're not going to sit still for this. This is going to have consequences, and people think this is patriotic. It's not patriotic. It's imbecilic. Yeah, and then uh, during Roosevelt's administration, they kept trying to um, pass all these other, tinker with all these other policy decisions to try to help farmers when all they had to do was repeal that law, and it that would have done the most good more than anything. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. Excellent. See, she knows a little history, economics, and so uh, makes sense. Eugene, Santa Maria, California, how are you listening to us, sir? Mark, I first want to tell you. How, how are you like listening to doing, us? I like your passion. Hold on. I'm a- how are you listening to us? I'm listening to you on KSMA here in Santa Maria, California. Beautiful, Reagan beautiful. Country. Okay. Thank you. Go- Mark, I like what you're doing. I've been listening to you for years, okay? And I'm not calling your program to be down on you at all. But I'm uniquely qualified, having gone to school both in Europe, in Germany, as well as here in the United States and educated in California at one of the premier schools. I've done business in over 50 nations, and one of the guys responsible for creating the global economy was China. Uh, close to 40 years ago. Oh, you're the guy who did it. Mark. <laughs> Come on, pal. Get serious. Mark, Mark, the situation is that where we at as Americans, this is a, a, a crossroad of determining who's going to rule the world. You either lead or be led. Hey, sir, the crossroad over who, we, who leads the world is to put the military where it belongs in the South China Sea and the East China Sea and to attack the Chinese banks. I've never understood this idea. The way that we get to the Chinese is to tax the American people. Well, Mark, the, 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 the real, uh, what it's called, is called duties when you have to pay for the import of products. Sir, call it whatever you want. You're still paying duties. These are tariffs on top of duties. I don't know, have you ever imported anything? I've imported things. You know, you have to pay a tax on it. You still pay a tax on it. You pay a tax on every damn thing that comes into the country. This is a tariff on top of a duty. You understand the difference? Absolutely. But, Mark, let me tell you, when Bill Clinton was in the White House, Hillary Clinton, who was a member, a partner in a Rose Law Firm... All right, we'll be right back. 
Patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. By the way, folks, and Mr. Producer, please put this on Facebook and Twitter. I will be on Hannity TV on the Fox News channel, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. We won't be discussing any of this, to the best of my knowledge. But maybe you can check us out. Yes, yes, yes. I dress up okay. 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. On the Fox News channel, I will be on with Hannity. Uh, and, of course, you can watch that all over the country. And I look forward to seeing you. Hope you'll check us out. You know, folks, I really need your attention. Something important. Now, you might think this is a dry topic. It's really not. When is the last time you checked your HVAC filter? I know, like I said, exciting stuff, right? Not properly maintaining your system can cause illness, allergies, unnecessary wear and tear on your HVAC system, leading to costly repairs, or even worse, the premature replacement of the entire system. So resolve to breathe better with FilterBot, America's leading provider of HVAC filters for homes and small businesses. They carry over 600 different filter sizes, including custom options, all shipped free within 24 hours, plus they're manufactured right here in America. FilterBot offers a multitude of MERV options, all the way up to hospital grade. So you'll be removing dangerous pollen, mold, dust, other allergy aggravating pollution, while maximizing the efficiency of your system. Right now, you can save 5% when you set up auto delivery, so you never need to think about air filters again. Save money, save time, breathe better with filterby.com. That's filterbuy.com, filterby.com. Charlie, <coughs> excuse me, Charlie, New York, uh, New Jersey, the great WABC, go. Hey, Mark, very good to hear, talk to you finally. Um, hey, I just wanted to raise, I understand your point about a tariff always being a tax on the consumer, but these industries have gone through hell under Obama and the, and the regulations opposed. Don't they need a three- or four-year period with regulations relaxed to get their feet back under The president them? is, regula- uh, is reducing regulations. We just slashed corporate taxes. And, sir, the only problem with your point is that these industries have been receiving subsidies for half a century. Last time I checked, Obama wasn't... You're not listening to me, are you? I am. Last time I checked, Obama was in office for eight years. Go ahead. No, I'm saying they've got to be on a limited time, like the washers and the solar cells, four years. Sir, we just slashed the corporate tax rates to 21%. We're slashing the environmental regulations like we should. Because they're really socialist regulations. You don't even know what we've slashed. And then you're talking about a time period. Well, the 21% is a 21% cut until they raise it. Could be for the next 10 years for all I know. But for the I mean, we all need relief from the Obama years. Right. But they need, these are. Thanks for your call. He can't help himself. He's got it three times and you're out. Repetition is something I find monotonous. So let's look at what's going on today, America. When we reject capitalism, when we reject competition, when we reject our own needs and desires and willingness or an unwillingness to pay. Healthcare industry is subsidized. Banks were subsidized. Steel, subsidized. Aluminum, subsidized. Lumber, subsidized. 
21%. Just slash the corporate tax rate from 35 to 21%. And many individuals, you don't hear this except from me, are going to see their taxes go up because the Republicans in Congress and the President said, well, we've got to make up that money somewhere. So we'll slam these guys on their interest rate cuts, on their sales, uh, their uh, property tax, and their uh, state income tax deduction. So the individual taxpayers, many of us, are subsidizing the 21% corporate tax rate, according to Paul Ryan himself. So we're subsidizing all this stuff. It's time to stop it. Because the vast majority of us, in our businesses, in our workplace, are not subsidized. All these big industries running to Washington, D.C. with cup in hand. This is, as we used to say, corporate welfare. It's corporate welfare. It's food stamps for industry. China wasn't always a powerhouse. China was nothing 40 years ago. And yet we subsidize steel. And we subsidize aluminum. You know what else we subsidize? Sugar. Is that a national security issue? You know what else we subsidize? Mushrooms. Is that a national security issue? You know what else we subsidize? With tariffs. I'm talking about tariffs. Almonds. 12,000 tariffs we have in place right now as I speak. From soup to nuts. From soup to nuts. You're paying the bill. Can you imagine if we remove most of these tariffs? The massive amount of money as an aggregate we would have as a people to invest, to spend as we wish. The cost of products coming down. The cost of enterprise coming down. Jim, Flint, Michigan, XM Satellite. Go right ahead. Hi, Mark. I wanted to um, first congratulate you and thank you for being on Fox News at 10 o'clock. That's going to be a great asset for everybody. Okay. Um, so I'm glad to see you there. But, um, but I wanted to... I just wanted to give you a factual thing real quick that, that I saw happen. I don't know what the answer is, but I, I won't name the companies, but I saw two companies close. I was uh, very closely involved in those closings. Those plants closed because they're single manufacturers, too, by the way. They could not, with all their taxes, the roll-ups, the costs, um, they couldn't compete. So they moved and closed those facilities and moved them to Mexico over the past eight or nine years. They shipped the products in, and they still sell them. The prices have not gone down. In fact, they've gone up marginally. The only thing that happened with those two... Tell me, how many companies have, foreign companies, have built plants in the United States? I'm sorry? How many foreign companies have built plants in the United States? A lot. A lot. A ton of them. A ton of them. Why do they build in Alabama? Sure. Why do they build in South Carolina? Right. Why do they build these different plants in different parts of the United States? Yeah, they build. We've it, got sir. BMW in the United States. We have Mercedes in the United States. We have Volvo in the United States. We have Toyota in the United States, as well as the domestic automobile industry. Is it because of protectionism and tariffs? No. No, it's because. Why? You answer. You tell me. If our labor costs are so horrifically high, why aren't they all in Mexico? 
Better yet, why aren't they all in Zimbabwe? Why aren't they all in Cuba? They have no labor wage. Why aren't they all in these destitute countries? Well, the and, and I can just say this. The, the two companies uh, I'm talking about. Can I answer about? it? Because we have a rule of law in this country. We have a rule of law in this country because property rights matter. You can't just seize somebody's plants. You just can't impose wages, although we're getting to that point with the minimum wage uh, $15 an hour thing. Because we still have some freedoms to operate in this country. Some freedoms to do business in this country. Some predictability in this country. Except when you start plopping tariffs all over the place, that becomes a different issue. Go ahead. But our our corporate, to me, Mark, it just seems that all the corporate tax, when it comes to the employee roll-ups, not their wages, but the match on Social Security and all the other taxes and property taxes and corporate taxes, and I know we slashed them, but all those costs are why these two companies specifically left America. Yeah, it but was the all- president's not going to talk about entitlements. There should be zero corporate tax. And all right, look, look I, I, I agree with you, but that's not going to happen. I'm trying to do a reality today. Right. So I Jim, guess- thanks for your call, though. I, it's an important call, but it's we're, we're not there. That's not going to happen. Chuck, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Sirius Satellite. How are you, sir? Mark, appreciate you taking my call. How are you tonight? Thank you. Very well. Appreciate it. So, Mark, I wish I was doing well, but I'm not because these tariffs do affect me personally and the industry I work in, which is the steel industry. Um, and unfortunately, President Trump has been obscenely misled on this issue. Are there a lot of imports coming to the U.S.? Yes. But what, is, what Secretary Ross's report does not cover is that a lot of the mills in the U.S., domestic mills, who make finished products like those fine tubes that go into airplanes and spacecrafts and automobiles, are bought from overseas. And the reason is because they can't afford to pay the ridiculous prices that the U.S. mills charge. And furthermore, most of what these products are are not even made in the U.S. Will you go through that again? Who's buying what from the U.S.? So, for example, if you want to take a specific type of domestic mill called a redraw bill, which would take a pipe or a tube from overseas, they would draw it to make a finer product, which is the end product. So what you're saying is they take the tube that's made overseas, bring it in the United States, refine it, perhaps improve it, perfect it for our use here, and they also sell it overseas. Is that what you're saying? They can sell it overseas. They can sell it in the U.S. And yet, and yet, that counts as a steel import, correct? Correct. So these uh, companies and these huge domestic mills, which we're supposedly going to be helping, are going to be hurt and affected very badly by this. Not only them. And they're going to be hurt very badly because you're saying when that pipe is shipped in the United States, it's going to have a massive tariff on it. So when they perfect it or refine it uh, for use in the United States or resale, it's going to be less competitive. Exactly. And, Mark, fabrication for projects. Let's say, for example, you're a big company like ExxonMobil and you want to build a petrochemical plant or a refinery in the U.S. You have a budget for that project, and it's taken you years to put that budget together and to get funding for it. You're sourcing most of that from overseas. All of a sudden, you're slapped with a 25% price increase. That project may not go through, and if it does, whoever the end user is is going to go to an overseas fabricator 
who doesn't have those extra costs. Okay, I want everybody to listen to what you just said because they think everything happens in 24 or 48-hour time periods. A major project involving, among other things, steel is a project that takes years. It's years in the works. And so you sign a contract, you have a price schedule, and then all of a sudden you're slapped with a massive tariff. Isn't that your point? Yes, sir. And then because you priced it differently, now you say, you know what, we can't do this project anymore. That's correct. And, Mark, I want to leave some time for other callers, but just want to make one more point. So today when President Trump met with all the steel executives, Nucor, AK Steel, um, on and on, uh, U.S. Steel, do you know they all complain that, oh, we're getting smacked so hard, we can't compete with overseas companies. Yeah, because they're not competitive and they can't make the product as efficiently. But do you know how much money Nucor made in 2017? Public company, you can check their balance sheet. No. $1.1 billion. So I guess we're a plutocracy now. You know, Wilbur Ross and his buddies, they decide they're going to cry to the government when they can't compete, and that's the only way they're going to do business in this country. But, you know, if they're making profits of $1.1 billion, they can't be doing all and that. Let me ask you a question. Is there a free market pro-capitalist economist among any of the advisors to this president that you know of? I can't think of one. Perhaps Gary Cohen. He seems to be the only No, one. he's not. He's a Goldman Sachs uh, big government type. Uh, I listen. I listen to these other guys on radio and so forth. Many of them sold out a long time ago. Anyway, Chuck, excellent call and very informative. I appreciate it. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Shave Club. If the first thing that pops into your head is an amazing, affordable shave, this will blow your mind. That's because Dollar Shave Club now has everything you need to look, smell, and feel your best shampoo, body wash, toothpaste, and of course, the amazing, affordable, high-quality shave you get from DSC's Executive Razor with their Dr. Carver Shave Butter. Now, you need to experience it. Another must-have experience is how they deliver everything to you. That means no more trips to the store, Wandering the aisles, hunting for razor, shampoo, toothpaste, only then having to pay at, pay at the cashier. Scanning and bagging your own stuff. For a mind-blowing experience, join Dollar Shave Club today. And for just five bucks, five bucks with free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor, plus trial sizes of shave butter and body cleanser. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash mark, dollarshaveclub.com slash mark. John, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great KVOR, go. Hey, thanks, Mark, for taking my call, first-time caller. I um, I just wanted to bring up a, a question that I've had. You know, I, I agree that it seems like tariffs don't always come out with the desired consequence, um, the desired results. But I'm wondering, is Trump trying to take on an illegitimate trade partner in China in, in a way without doing it directly and without without treating them as, as they are, as, as, a, as a country that is... Well, we're uh, taking on Canada, we're taking on Mexico, we're taking on China, uh, we're taking on the European Union, we're taking on everybody. Um, and, you know, that might sound tough, it might sound cool. 
But in the end, sir, you will be affected directly. No country is going to sit by and tolerate this. I, I acknowledge. And one more time, I want to say, if your concern is China as it is mine, this is, uh, this is patsy. This is nonsense. You want to deal with China, sir? You deal with them directly. You don't punish the American people. You go after their banks. You go after their banks, their whole economy collapses. You want to deal with China, sir? You put a fleet in the South China Sea where they're building fake islands and militarizing them. You want to deal with China, sir? I don't have any problem with embargoing products from China. My problem is punishing the American people. It's like this gun control debate. Punishing the American people for what that nut job did in Florida. And this seems to be a trend now. This seems to be a trend now. And I don't like it. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree. I, I think I'd rather see them take China directly. Uh, but I, I, I don't see that happening. So we take on China by raising our taxes. And to boot, these industries remain uncompetitive and top-heavy. Meanwhile, a guy like this guy, Ross Wilbur, Wilbur Ross, Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, he's a billionaire. Sure. By picking up these companies, making sure they get subsidies and tariffs. And he's not the only one. We're playing dupes to this, ladies and gentlemen. We're hearing populist nationalist propaganda, which could be just as easily Bernie Sanders socialism. That's why Sanders, Brown from Ohio, all the left-wing kooks think this is swell. And, sir, may I ask you a question? Go ahead. Yeah. Why limit it to steel and aluminum? If we really want to take on China, shouldn't we put tariffs on every single product that might come in from China? Look, I'm not saying that the tariffs are, are a good idea, but I'd, I'd rather see them do something. I, I heard what you nothing. said. You support them even though you don't think they're a good idea. And I'm asking you, should we put tariffs on every single product or material that comes into this country from that country? Yes or no? From that particular country, sure. Okay. So you want to tax the American people across the board. Very, very foolish. And you think that is going to hurt China. So the way to get China, ladies and gentlemen, is to tax you, rather than deal with them. And this is what cowards do in public policy. We can take on China. We can hurt China. But instead, it's just easier to punish the American people and do this fan dance. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Now... We move into a new and exciting area, ladies and gentlemen. Back to the Second Amendment. Back to the Second Amendment. You know, one of the things that really gets me down from time to time 
in order to persuade our fellow citizens to a point of view, we need statesmen who make the case. So, for instance, when it came to amnesty for 1.8 million dreamers, 11 million illegal aliens all told. 11 million. People will say, see, I told you that'll never happen. See, Trump is being strategic. See, this. See, I don't view the world and my principles and events through Trump or any other politician. That's not how my head works. That's not how my mind works. And it's not how your mind should work either. Whether it's Trump or Bush or Reagan, whatever. I don't define what's going on or define what I believe through the mind of another human being. Particularly a president. What bothers me is everything shouldn't be and is not tactical and strategic and dealing. You've got to make the case to the American people. Right now we're making the case to the American people for amnesty. We're making the case to the American people. For Bernie Sanders, Herbert Hoover type protectionist tariffs. And now we're making the case to the American people that the NRA is a hideous organization and that the Second Amendment is a killing amendment. And it's bipartisan. It's bipartisan. All these lost opportunities. How do you expect to win elections? How do you expect to build your base, excite the base that exists, and expand your base if you don't make the case for ideas? Instead, you're always talking tactically and strategically and the president's doing this for this and I told you he wouldn't do that. What what does that have to do with anything? Nothing. Unless you seek to abandon your basic belief system and principles, which I choose not to do now, I chose not to do yesterday, and I won't do tomorrow. Here's the president on the Bill of Rights which includes the Second Amendment. And by the way, the president didn't run on gun control any more than he ran on amnesty. People say, well, he ran on tariffs, like you're not allowed to object to it anyway. Yeah, but he didn't run on amnesty, and he didn't run on gun control, and he's doing that too. Cut one, go. The focus is to literally give families and give local law enforcement additional tools if an individual is reported to be a, a potential danger to themselves or others. Allow due process so that no one's rights are trampled, but, but the ability to go to court, obtain an order, and then collect not only the firearms, but any any weapons in the possession or of that individual. Or take the firearms first and then go to court, because that's another system, because Uh-oh. a lot of times by the time you go to court, it takes so long to go to court to get the due process procedures Uh, I like taking the guns early, like in this crazy man's case that just took place in Florida. He had a lot of firearms. They saw everything. To go to court would have taken a long time. So you could do exactly what you're saying, but take the guns first, go through due process. Wow. You know what due process after the fact is, Mr. Producer? No due process. How do you due process after the fact? What about the cost to the innocent American citizen and hiring a lawyer to get his or her weapons back. 
What about the abuse of government? Government never abuses anybody, does it? The president should know this. He's been subjected to this through the FISA court, by the FBI, by the Department of Justice, by the NSI, excuse me, the NSA. You have to assume the government's going to abuse its power. The Constitution assumes that. That's why it's created the way it's created. And yet, here we are. The president would not only violate the Second Amendment, but the Fifth Amendment. And for what? And they won't define, as I say here, night after night after night, what do they mean by mentally sick, mentally ill, mental health? Define it. What are you talking about? We know this jerk who is cutting off the heads of animals. We know he was one. The FBI could have known he was one. Local police could have known he was one. They were told. They were told, but they played Helen Keller. This is a a fundamental issue, don't you think? A fundamental issue. President said, you know, I like the NRA. I like the NRA. What, are you afraid of the NRA? They're afraid. At the one side of the mouth, talks them up. At the other side of the mouth, trash talks them. That's unacceptable. The NRA's never done anything to him or anybody else. What have I been saying since the Valentine's Day massacre on February 14th? That's your Second Amendment. This has nothing to do with the NRA. It has to do with your individual liberty. I noticed some clown columnist picked up the point. Go for it, baby. This isn't about the NRA. And notice this. Notice this. The Republicans and the President never talk about the NEA and the AFT, the two big monopolistic teachers unions, both of whom have told their members and have told the public, no, we don't want any teachers armed in our schools. You don't hear the NEA being trashed. You don't hear the AFT being trashed. But the NRA is being trashed. Since when did the President of the United States become the biggest gun controller in the nation? It's sad to watch this. It's very upsetting to me. Very upsetting to me. Cut to go. You have to do something about the mentally ill not being able to buy a gun. Now, stop. The mentally ill shouldn't be able to buy guns? What does that mean? I'll ask it again. Somebody who had a tough time in their life, maybe they lost their job, maybe they were divorced, maybe they lost a loved one, they got depressed, they got some help, they got some meds, they got some counseling. Can that person buy a gun? Can that person buy a gun? We had callers in here who had drugs when they were younger, teenagers or older teenagers, for attention deficit. Can that person buy a gun? What are we talking about here? There's millions and millions of Americans who, no fault of their own, have mental issues that do not mean they are craved, wannabe mass murders. And I have to be honest, I am sick and tired of us stereotyping these people. I'm sick and tired of it. Like we stereotype Americans who are 18, 19, 20 years old, like they're more apt to slaughter people than somebody who's 34 or 64 years old. The evidence doesn't show that. There's no evidence, no statistics to support that. None. None. So now we stereotype 18, 19, and 20-year-olds. 
18, 19, and 20 year olds. All right, cut two, go. I mean, they have so many checks and balances that you could be mentally ill and it takes you six months before you can prohibit them. So we have to do something. No, no, no. Let, let, me, let me help out on this. Almost every state and locality have laws in place. If you threaten somebody's life or you threaten to commit acts of terrorism and so forth and the threats can be determined as quite serious, uh, law enforcement does have power especially in Florida under the Baker Act. Go ahead and Google the Baker Act. You keep hearing that phrase thrown around out there. They can temporarily detain somebody, get them help, and try and figure out what's going on. Baker Act was not used in the case of the mass murder subhuman in Florida. The ball was dropped. It was dropped by the FBI. It was dropped by the Sheriff's Department. I happen to agree that when the court stepped in in the 1970s and let seriously mentally ill people who'd been adjudicated as dangerous to the community and dangerous to themselves, that when the courts let them out, for the most part, it created a huge problem, a huge homeless problem, among other things. But let's not throw these phrases, oh, the mentally ill, the mentally ill. What are you talking about? And if the president doesn't believe... You should have due process in advance of having your weapons removed from you. What kind of due process does he have in mind for the so-called mentally ill? I don't know. He doesn't say. Nobody says. His administration doesn't say. What are they talking about? What are they talking about? Go ahead. Number one, you can take the guns away immediately from people that you can judge easily are mentally ill, like this guy. You know, the, the police saw that he was a problem. They didn't take any guns away. Now, that could have been policing. I think they should have taken them away anyway, whether they had the right or not. But I, I don't even know what that means. The police should take the gun away, the guns away, whether they have the right or not. What kind of talk is this? Let's go to cut three, please. Go ahead. It doesn't make sense, Seth. I have to wait till I'm 21 to get a handgun, but I can get this weapon at 18. I don't know. So I'm just curious as to what you did in your bill. We didn't, we didn't address it in the present. I think you know why? Because you're afraid of the NRA, right? <laughs> well, let's stop right there. What is his obsession with smearing the NRA that only endorsed him for the presidency? The NRA isn't standing in the way of protecting these kids. The NRA has many proposals, I'm sure, on protecting these kids. I do. Others do. Why? Because they won't chase windmills? And let me answer the president's question. He says, it doesn't make sense. You have to wait till 21 to get a handgun, but you can get this weapon at 18. It doesn't make sense that you have to wait to 21 to get a handgun. Period. Now, I've said it before, and I'll say it again. All of you out there who think this is, what's the big deal? We're going to lose the vote if we don't have some kind of reform here. That is disgraceful. We're talking about fundamental rights. If you're 18, 19, or 20 years old, why shouldn't you be able to protect yourself? If you're 18, 19, or 20 years old and you're married with a family, why shouldn't you be able to protect your family? If you can't own a handgun and you can't own a rifle, how are you going to protect yourself? That's outrageous. Absolutely outrageous. If you're 18, 19, and 20 years old, you qualify for serving in the military. 
We celebrate our military. We conservatives. We celebrate the men and women in our military. Do we say except for the 18, 19, and 20-year-olds we celebrate the military? Who the hell do you think's fighting our wars? It's the young people. And isn't it amazing? The president's there. Senators are there. Congressmen there. In the Oval Office or the Roosevelt Room, wherever it was. Politicians. Debating our Bill of Rights. I keep hearing it said, well, the president's an outsider. Not ins- I don't care if he's an outsider, he's an insider, he's sometimes an insider, he's a middle-sider, he's an outsider. What the hell's the difference? The issue is, what are we doing? No more excuses, no more labels. Hey, he's an outsider and the insiders do this with the inside and the outside. Who cares? The effect on the Bill of Rights is the same. Why is it that if you're 18, 19, and 20 years old, why is it that if you want to defend yourself at that age, why is it that if you can serve at the military at that age, that you shouldn't be able to purchase a handgun? Why is it? The average age, and you may have heard this by now, of mass murders in recent history is 34. 34. Last time I checked, that's over 21. Facts don't matter. You see, when there's this frenzy, when there's intellectual bullying, when there's platitudes and propaganda, all else is lost. Toomey's not afraid of the NRA. And why is it? If you have our position, you're said to be afraid of the NRA. I'm not afraid of the NRA. I support the NRA. I'm a lifetime member of the NRA. Every member of my family is a lifetime member of the NRA. It's not because I'm afraid of the NRA. It's because the NRA represents my interests. That's why. They're my interests. They're your interests. Those are individual personal liberties that the Bill of Rights seeks to protect. Cut four, Mr. Producer. Go ahead. If you look at the concealed carry population, these are people, by and large, who are helping us stop crimes. These are people who are well-trained. Steve, uh, Steve Scalise, a real-life victim of a Bernie Sanders Democrat who tried to murder him and all the other Republicans playing baseball that day, that fateful day in Alexandria, Virginia. And I don't remember all the talk back then about gun control when Republicans were the target. I don't remember all the talk back then when this congressman was almost taken out. Do you? I don't remember the hue and cry in the media and in the Democrat Party for gun control when this took place. Go ahead. We go out there and help prevent crimes. So I would hope that that's not immediately dismissed because there is a lot of talk of just putting that on the side. And just like this. You know I'm your biggest fan of the whole world. I, I think... That maybe that bill will someday pass, but it should pass as a separate. If you're going to put concealed carry between states into this bill, we're talking about a whole new ballgame. So the president has moved from allowing concealed carry between the states, you know, interstate commerce clause, that sort of thing, to taking it completely off the table, undermining completely a Republican Bill of Rights agenda item, and embracing Feinstein, Schumer, 
and all the rest of the gun grabbers and gun controllers. I'll be right back. p.m. Eastern Time. Now, if you want to be particular, 9.32 p.m. Eastern Time, I believe. Which, by my calculation, is 6.30 p.m. Pacific Time. I will be on the Fox News Channel with Sean Hannity. So I think we'll have a good time together. I will bolt from the, uh, from the bunker, the radio bunker. I will bolt over to the Levin TV Ronald Reagan studio bunker to do the Fox program with Sean Hannity. By the way, I want to thank all the shows for inviting me on Fox and Friends and Waters World and all. It's just not possible for me to do all the shows. Judge, I want to thank you too. Uh, but we're going to try and do more and more of them because of popular demand. By the way, you know who our guest is on Sunday, 10 p.m. on our second show? A full hour, soup to nuts. Like you've never seen the discussion before with Chairman Devin Nunes of the House Intelligence Committee. And we're going to walk through it. I'm going to walk through it as only I can. He is a superb individual. We're going to take our time and and explain the whole situation. That's the benefit of having a full hour with a guest like that. But don't forget, one hour from now, I'll be on Hannity on Fox. We'll be right back. can clone the others, but there's only one, Mark Levin, and you can call him at 877-381-3811. Yeah, you'd be amazed at the people who text me with their arguments. It's, it can be very disappointing, but I know, I know, I know, I'm one of a few left who, who embraces liberty, and liberty also is the embrace of capitalism, and people are making excuses for positions they're taking. And I'm hearing every excuse you can imagine, including from friends. What's on your bucket list? We all have things we want to do, not just work till the bitter end. Well, maybe some of us do. No matter what your answer, there's one thing you definitely need to knock down your bucket list, money. Money. Investing for the future is critical. Today it's more complicated than ever, as you can see. We're facing a very different retirement reality, and sadly, many within the sound of my voice are simply not ready for it. Even though we're living with financial uncertainty and geopolitical instability, doesn't mean we can't plan a proper retirement, one that includes all of us enjoying our bucket list. It is possible to live the retirement lifestyle you've dreamed about, the retirement you deserve. Download PM Capital's free report, Bulletproof Your Bucket List, at marklevingold.com, it's very simple, marklevingold.com, or call 1-800-599-8391. That's 1-800-599-8391. Start planning for retirement now to enjoy your bucket list around the corner. Again, get the report, check it out at marklevingold.com, marklevingold.com, or call 1-800-599-8391. It's 1-800-599-8391. Let me tell you something else. 
When I talk about something like gold, I don't just talk about it. I do it. I diversify. I don't know what's around the corner with inflation or deflation. I don't trust these politicians. I don't trust a lot of people on radio. Some I do, some I don't, who talk about what to invest in and what not to invest in. I've just been around long enough. I've been through inflation. I've been through economic recessions and so forth. This debt is so massive. I worry about what's around the corner. Not to be provocative. As a matter of fact, I've written about it. So I tell you what I would do because I do it. I diversify. Even if I have, even if you have a little bit of money, you need to diversify. You can't put it all in one basket. So people will tell you, well, buy treasuries. Buy stock, buy bonds, and many of you have pensions through mutual funds that sort of mix it up. But for me, I also want hard stuff. So I have some gold. I have some silver, but more gold than silver. And that's what I do. I just want to make sure that my family and I are cared for. And these folks at PM Capital, it's a relatively new sponsor. And the reason is this. Scott Carter, who's one of the principals at PM Capital, I have complete faith in the man. I've known him for years and years and years. He got me involved in gold in the first place. Went and visited him in California. He's come and visited me. And so I consider PM Capital, if you will, to be the gold standard. So I hope you'll check them out. 1-800-599-8391. Or just go to marklevingold.com. All right. Let's see if my call screen... Of course not. It's gone. Mr. Producer, what do you have there? The great KSGF, the show me state, John in Missouri. Go ahead. Mark, always a pleasure. How are you doing? Good, thank you. You know, I'm outraged like you are today... I turn on the radio after I see the stock market tumbling, and I, I feel like we're back in the days when Barack Obama would do something, and, and it would be anti-capitalism, it would be anti-American. And then you talk about the Second Amendment, and I feel like Donald Trump, who I've supported and I believe is doing a great job, as you have, but we're critical where, where criticism is due, is bending. And it kind of reminds me, during the campaign, if you think back, and remember, remember Robert B. Reich when he talked about Ted Cruz, he basically said, we're not afraid of Donald Trump. We can bend him. We can move him. And, and, and we're not afraid of him. We're afraid of a constitutionalist like Ted Cruz, but not Donald Trump. And I'm, I'm scared as hell because I feel like Donald Trump's starting to bend in some very fundamental ways. Well, you need to make your voice hurt because maybe he can bend the other way. Exactly. And what you said, we need to move. I agree. We need to move the president. And I'd ask your advice, does that start at the local level, Representative? Well, yeah, listen, you're, you're a big guy. You know what to do. You've got to contact your members of Congress and even the White House. All right, my friend, appreciate your call. Now's not the, now is not the time to be silent. What am I doing? Oh, oh I think I'm back. I think I'm back on, no, still don't have it. Connor in California, the great KRLI, go. Hey, Mark. Uh, first-time caller. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I just wanted to give some insight on the 
steel and aluminum tariff. So I work for a American company. It's a privately owned company. It's been around for over 100 years. We make uh, refrigerated semi-trailers and dry-van trailers, and we buy our aluminum raw. So this tariff will actually have a negative effect on our company. And, in fact, China, most of what it exports in terms of metal are, is a finished good. So it won't even have the desired effect on China. Mm-hmm. By the way, the, the uh, Japanese stock market is down 2.5%. You know, it's morning over there. So hundreds of billions of dollars being lost. We'll see how long this goes on for. All right, my friend. Appreciate your call. Thank you. Let's see. Give me another call, Mr. Producer. The great WCOA, Dan in Alabama. Go ahead. Boy, that WCOA has a massive reach, by the way. Go ahead. Yes, sir. Um... I'm an engineer, and I've worked in steel, either built steel mills or aluminum mills all my life, and now I'm helping to operate one. And first of all, they're, if they're survived in the United States, they're very efficient. Um, you'll have 700 workers making a million tons a year versus if you're overseas in Asia, you might have five or 6,000 people making a million tons a year. Those people will get paid a dollar a day. And they get a meal if they show up for work. There's no OSHA. There's no hard hat. Sir, sir, so do you think the steel industry is the only industry where overseas the people are paid less? No, you're absolutely correct. It's happening in fibers. It's happening in aluminum. It happens. Right. So what would you have us do? I'm sorry. What would what would I have? So what would you have us do? Well, I would have to say that if you're not going to trade fair. Nobody trades fair, sir. We have 12,000 tariffs. If you want to ship sugar into this country, good luck. If you want to ship mushrooms into this country, good luck. If you want to ship, you're not going to listen to me and I don't care. I'm going to continue to talk. If you want to ship almonds into this country, good luck. We have 12,000 tariffs in place. We don't play fair either. It's called capitalism, the market system. Now, if governments want to subsidize their businesses, that's fine. We just lowered our tax rates for corporations to 21% from 35%. We were told that would be the magic bullet. And the president and others have praised it. Look at this. Apple's coming back, $350 billion investment. Exxon's coming back, $100 billion investment. All this money flung back into the United States. And I still have to hear these sob stories. That's because of taxes. What's because of taxes? Well, what what do you think companies do with their money? Think they have a Friday, let's burn our cash day? They reinvest it. They hire people. The president has said so. Otherwise, why do it? Sir, steel companies have been subsidized for 50 years. Under Democrats, under Republicans. Before there was a powerful China, now there's a powerful China. Why is that, sir? Oh, you're asking me a question why that is? Is because they're not playing fair. No, it's because some of you guys in your labor contracts, you shake down these companies and you'll strike these companies. Why don't you mention that to the American people? Isn't that true? I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, of course you don't, but I do. Thank you for your no yelling. He knows exactly what I'm saying. It's not just that somebody overseas may earn nothing. It's that our wage rates are out of sync. Because of tariffs. This is another thing. That's why I oppose 
subsidies on fuel using wheat and corn. What's that all about? Those are subsidies to farmers. That's what they are. That's exactly what they are, ethanol. We don't need ethanol, particularly now. We're t- look at our production. And yet, there they are. Why are we subsidizing sugar? I don't know. Why are we subsidizing mushrooms? I don't know, but I'm sick of the whole damn thing. And then if you object, you get callers like this guy. Well, you know, the, the people overseas, they're earning a dollar an hour. But they're earning a dollar an hour at everything they're doing. So I guess all of our companies should be quasi-public. So we should abandon capitalism. Now, the fact of the matter is, ladies and gentlemen, the reason why you want to put a company in the United States and not China is because of our Constitution. Because we're supposed to have limits on the federal government. So that a guy like Xi can't claim he's going to be dictator for life. He can't start nationalizing industries. He doesn't start imprisoning managers and executives in companies. They don't start interfering with their business activities. They don't take 51% of the company. There's a lot of reasons to have a company in the United States, even though you may pay more in wages. Again, it's called freedom. And it's called the rule of law. You and I, we don't live to subsidize other people. Now, you want to take out the crying towel? What if somebody wanted to buy a refrigerator and now they can't? What if somebody wanted to buy a pickup truck and now they can't? I mean for work. What about all the people who are going to lose their jobs? You heard a couple of them call here. Who work in these industries? Steel and aluminum. Because the price is going to be driven up. So their assembly lines will shut down. So they won't get bonuses. I'm not going to be browbeaten into this. And my friends, stop texting me with your nonsense. I don't really care. I've studied this issue all my life. All my life. You know, like many of you, My ancestors came here without a penny. All they wanted was freedom. That's all they wanted. They never received a penny in government subsidies. They never argued for tariffs. They just worked and worked and worked and worked. My great-grandparents. My parents never worked for the government. My parents never worked for a major corporation. My parents had very small businesses. You know. Camp and a day school they created with their own hands and their own minds. They didn't belong to any groups. They didn't belong to the unions. They didn't belong to the NRA. They belonged to nothing. And then they sold it all for a very modest amount of money because they were tired. And they opened a small shop outside of Philadelphia. Some months we didn't have a lot of money. We always made do. Other months were better. And I, they never really told us, but I knew which months were good and which months were not good. They didn't demand that the store across the street be punished because 
you know, it was a difficult time that week or that month or anything like that. They didn't demand tariffs. They didn't demand subsidies. They didn't want food stamps. They didn't want anything. They just worked. And they were proud Americans. And they are proud Americans. Because they believe in freedom. And I'm sick and tired of all of it. Oh, the government shutdown. What will they do? What will the employees of the government do? Oh, the steel mills and the, the aluminum factories. What will they do? What will they do? They'll do just fine. They will do just fine. We just got to get back to our core principles. We have to embrace competition. When America is unleashed, Americans are unleashed. When Americans are unleashed, nobody can compete with us. Nobody. We're always ten steps ahead with technology. Even now I hear, what are we going to do? Technology going to put people out of way? I've never heard anything like this. Maybe, maybe we're defeated. Maybe there's only a few million of us left. I don't know. I'll be right back. This is breaking from Reuters, and by the way, you'll be hearing this day in and day out, just in from Reuters. Toyota says U.S. tariffs on steel and aluminum will raise costs, therefore prices of cars and trucks sold in the United States. Yeah, because corporations pass these costs on. You know that. So you're going to be very patriotic, and you're going to pay a lot more for everything. Right? There's absolutely no reason to leave yourself completely vulnerable to cybercrime. You lock your doors at night, right? Look, cyber thieves can steal way more than what's in your house. I've partnered with My ID Care to bring you a different kind of identity theft protection that offers best-in-class protection from thieves who could clean out your bank account or use your personal info for tax or medical fraud. My ID Care has covered Fortune 500 companies for years. They asked me to let you know that their service is now available to individuals and families, too. Credit freezes won't help you with tax fraud or other types of ID theft. Nothing can keep you totally safe. But my ID care covers you for nine types of identity theft. And get this, their CEO, Tom Kelly, is so committed to your protection that he provides, provides a 100% identity recovery guarantee if you do fall victim or your money back. Now, that is a big deal. Learn more and get 15% off at myidcare.com. Make sure you use my name, promo code Mark, or call the number they set up just for you, my listeners. This is actually an exclusive toll-free number for you, 866-334-3084. That's 866-334-3084. Myidcare.com with promo code Mark or call 866 30 3384 eight six six three three four three zero eight four. All right, Rich, I lost your list too. What do you got there? Greg in New York City, the great WABC. Go. Good evening, Mark. Thank you for taking my call. I'm a retired uh, police sergeant, 
formerly yes. a firearms instructor on and I just wanted to make the point that this slippery slope that we're sliding down with this lack of due process, I think uh, we have a situation here where the left would welcome it with open arms mm -hmm. that immediately, as soon as it's determined that you own a firearm, you're automatically, there's something mentally wrong with you. Or, or if you own a firearm, you're automatically um, some kind of a danger to society. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a very slippery slope, and I think you could put, we could put ourselves in a position where um, people... Sergeant, I got to go, and I want to thank you. Very level-headed. I really appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll see you on Hannity in 30 minutes. 30 minutes on Fox. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. I got to get out of here. I got to scram. See you in 30 minutes. God bless. <laughs>